welcome to this second episode of Perspectives. So today I feel honored to be here with Macario Esquetino. Macario Esquetino is a Mexican economist and political analyst. He's a chemical engineer with a master's in economy and PhD in business and ABD in history. He's researcher and also university professor of one of the most prestigious universities in Mexico and an author of many best-selling books. He's one of the most recognized voices and thought leaders of social, political, and economic perspective. So, Macario, welcome to Perspectives. My pleasure, Erika. So, Macario, besides, of course, all the knowledge that you have and all the experience that you have in economy, politics, social sciences, what I really admire about you is uh, how you can translate and explain all these complex ideas, situations, uh, you know, into very clear theories and frameworks. Uh, but most importantly, Macario, what, what I really admire about you, and this is one of the main reasons why I say I need to talk to Macario, is I, I really admire and love this uh, passion that you have, of course, on, on these themes, but also your perspective that is so realistic, so no filter, grounded perspective of what is happening in the world and what is happening in Mexico. So uh, why don't we start there, Magario? What's your perspective on what is happening in the world today? I mean, uh, it, it feels like it's so upside down. It's, it's so volatile, uncertain. What's your perspective on this? Oh, uh, thanks for the introduction. Uh, I, I think I was born to be a teacher, so uh, that's why I, I uh, work in this uh, area. Uh, I have some abilities in translating uh, difficult uh, concepts into something that's uh, easy to understand for, for everyone. That's what I think I, uh, the, the space where I can uh, really give something to the, to the rest of the world. And also I'm a chemical engineer, and that I think it's very important in trying to understand social issues, because most uh, social experts uh, really are thinking in terms of uh, difficult ideas. And we engineers are thinking on how we solve problems, which is the most important thing of, of, of engineers. Uh, why do we uh, perceive the world now as something uh, most uh, uncertain and complex and, and uh, very different from what we knew before? Uh, I think that uh, we can understand better the, the way that uh, the world works if we remember that we're talking about human beings. And human beings are a very special kind of animals. Uh, we have something that no one else has. We can talk and we can uh, uh, recognize that we are going to die. Those two things uh, make us very different from the rest of the animals. And uh, I think that uh, these two things explain how we build societies. Uh, the way that societies work is uh, very complex, uh, but I think that we can uh, reduce it to this uh, conflict between the two ways that uh, humans used to think. Uh, many people will remember the book by uh, Kahneman, uh, Think Fast and Think Slow. Uh, those are the two ways that we used to think. Uh, we can uh, make uh, fast decisions using our intuitive uh, way of making decisions. 
but we can also uh, think and re re reflect and uh, uh, make these rational uh, decisions that are very different from the other uh, the other kind, uh, and, and, and the, the, the societies move between these between these two poles. Uh, sometimes the whole society is in the emotional side, and sometimes we get closer to the rational way of thinking. When we move to this emotional side, uh, we try to build a, a very large community. This is something that we have in the very deep inside us. We want to live in a community, uh, but we don't understand that it's impossible to build a community that's larger than a hundred individuals. Uh, so every time we try to build this large community, we fail. And this failure can be seen in, in an increase in poverty, in violence, and authoritarianism. So that's what we see uh, per periodically. Uh, we can see these kind of big communities built around religious ideas in 16th century. Uh, we can see the same effort around uh, the uh, nature in, in, in the 18th century, what we call romanticism. Um, we can see also this kind of this, this effort to build large communities around states and social classes in the 20th century. Well, we are now in the same uh, effort. We're trying to build now communities around identities, uh, the skin color, the gender, the sexual preferences. Uh, this is not going to end well, but uh, it's something that we humans do. So <clears throat> if anyone is... Uh, thinking that this is uh, uh, more uncertain than before? Yes, it is. Uh, you are seeing it more complex than before? It is. Uh, and it's natural, and it's going to end sometime, uh, but uh, we have to navigate through this with uh, different tools, uh, with different ideas than what we normally used uh, when, when things were, were calmer. But what would you say, uh, Macario, are the like the biggest challenges that we are uh, experiencing as 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 a human as humanity, right? So uh, we have seen the moments of the world, for example, where uh, in the Second World War, the world was also upside down, right? So the the economy, the the political situation, everything was was upside down. Now uh, today, what we see is that. <laughs> The, the volatility, the uncertainty, uh, the things that are happening are of a bigger magnitude or the impact is uh, much bigger because of the speed of, of change. So what would you say are those like, I don't know, three challenges or what are the main challenges that we have uh, every human being, no matter where we are, that we have uh, today as, as, as human beings, as humanity? I think that the most important issues are always around what uh, differentiates us from the rest of the animals, that is language and communication. Uh, the main uh, force behind this change and this uncertainty and complexity uh, is the way that we communicate now. Uh, what we're doing in this moment uh, wasn't possible any other time before. So this is different. And the difference is very important, just to make a comparison. Over the 20th century, we have in every country 
uh, maybe two or three different uh, newspapers and two or three uh, uh, TV networks. So every idea that had to be discussed in, in the whole country uh, went through this couple of uh, different voices. So the discussion was uh, very narrow uh, into something that we could manage. And now we have social networks. So there's no two or three networks. There's a million people talking to another million people with a million different ideas that are very difficult to concentrate. So that's the reason we cannot have uh, national policies in this moment. This is something that's very interesting. Over the 20th century, we could discuss uh, if uh, we should uh, have higher or lower taxes, or what kind of uh, labor policy was the, the most uh, useful for the people, or how to make uh, public education available for all. Those were the, the issues on those days. Uh, now we're discussing everything. We have people that's uh, very uh, interested in climate change. Uh, we have people that's uh, very interested in dogs or cats. Uh, here in, in, in Mexico, in Latin America, in Spain, we have a lot of people that hate uh, bullfighting. Uh, we have uh, people that has become a vegan. Uh, we have uh, people interested in running or biking or walking. Uh, and all those issues cannot uh, be uh, concentrated on something that uh, public policy can solve. So uh, normal politics can't work in this kind of society that has a lot of voices speaking at the same time. I have uh, defined these uh, different ideas as islands. We have a lot of islands. Uh, a normal politician can't talk to these islands at the same time. That's why over the last uh, 10 years or so, we have seen uh, the rise of a very different kind of politician, a ruthless one, someone who has no scruples and can't talk to every island and promise them that he's going to solve their problem, which is impossible because you have a thousand islands, thousand problems, you cannot solve all at the same time. So, some of these problems are, are, are between islands, so if you solve for one, you make it worse for the other, so it's impossible. But uh, ruthless politicians, uh, politicians without scruples, can promise that. Those are the ones we call now populist. That's the case of uh, Donald Trump, or maybe the case of uh, Boris Johnson, or the case of Pedro Sanchez and uh, Iglesias, and Lopez Obrador, and Bolsonaro, and uh, Modi in India. So we have a lot of them. Uh, and the reason they are thriving is because uh, the society uh, is paying them because what they want now, society in general, what this society wants is, is someone that can promise, not someone that can deliver. The issue is that uh, when this kind of people get to power, they are unable to solve. So they are still in campaign every time. That's the reason Donald Trump uses Twitter all the time, because he's still in a political campaign and he won't govern ever. And that's the, the case with all the others. So that's, that's what we are uh, uh, witnessing now. Uh, and this is going to change when society changes. And this change in society has to do with the, has to, uh, has to do with this ability of managing the new communication technology.
what we are watching now has happened before. That was what happened when the printing press was invented. And it took a couple of centuries to manage this uh, technology. And then we saw it again with the apparition of uh, newspapers in the 17th century, and it took a century and a half to manage it. And then it happened with, with uh, the mass media, uh, the cinema and the radio. Uh, it took a century to, to put it under control. Uh, I, I have some hopes that we can manage this new technology in a shorter time, and it may take 25, 30, 40 years. So uh, I think that we are still 10 to 15 years uh, from the place where societies will get calmer and things will get better. For these 10 or 15 years, our uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, everything is going to be very interesting. Macari, I think that what you're mentioning is super, super interesting, a little bit scary, because uh, you, you mentioned communication, right? <laughs> this is uh, one of the biggest challenges, and, and I, I couldn't agree more, because I, I, I work with many organizations all around the world, big corporations, and what's happening in these, uh, let's say, um, micro environments no? is, is a reflection of what's happening in the, in the world. So uh, communication is one, is one of the biggest problems, and, and I think it's because every Everyone has a personal agenda. That, that what you were mentioning—that everyone has their own aspirations, their own passions. Their, that's a reality. No, their own their own uh, motivators. So. Uh, th that worries me because uh, the the world is not becoming easier. The world is becoming more difficult and more complex, and it's um, it's creating kind of more competition than than cooperation. So uh, it, it really worries me because when things are easy or are okay, people can cooperate between other and maybe eh, eh, they, they can say okay I'm, I'm going to be flexible with this and and try to no, to understand you but when when things get tougher people say you know what it's it's me and and my my benefits and my things and it's, it's individualism that shows no uh, so I think communication I agree is one of the of the biggest challenges hopefully technology can help us with that uh, gathering instead of fragmenting no uh, another thing is a cooperation I, I make a lot of effort on transforming organizations towards more collaborative environments no with with by using technology by changing uh, organizational models but it's super super hard uh, organizations have been using a, a hundred years models and a uh, hierarchical styles and everything that instead of building cooperation they build you know, competition and individualism so so i couldn't agree more uh, and as you were saying the the biggest challenge is is just starting you know? the, the world ahead of us uh, doesn't seem to be easier than what is now. Um, now, my, my second question would be, Macario, I, this is my feeling, my perspective, and uh, is I, I live in London, but I'm Mexican. Uh, but what I've experienced is that this VUCA world, more now in these last months where we are all, now, in all the world, we are living this um, pandemic crisis, right? But my perspective is these, these crises that we all live or that we are all experiencing, these uh, economic problems, these uh, social problems, you don't feel it the same when you're in a third world country or when you're in a first world country. Uh, my feeling is for 
if you're a leader in Latin America, no, then you have a, like a, I don't know, a triple challenge than a leader that is not in, in, in a third world country. So what do you think about this? Is this real? Is the challenges that, for example, Mexico is living today are much bigger and will be more complex than for other countries? What's your perspective on this? Uh, well, in general, Latin America has been a good place for populism uh, for historical reasons. Uh, over the 20th century, we built uh, some of the most uh, durable uh, populisms in the world, like Cardenism in Mexico, which uh, many people in Mexico associate with the PRI, the party that ruled Mexico for the most of the of the century, or Peronism in Argentina, which is still alive and uh, still destroying that country. Uh, this kind of uh, populism was different from the one we are noticing now in the rest of the world. So what we have in Latin America is the combination of these two forces, uh, and they make it more difficult for us to, to uh, take uh, the, the correct path to make good decisions. Uh, so... Uh, in the case of Mexico in particular, uh, the person that is now in, uh, the president of, of Mexico uh, is uh, quite uh, removed from uh, the, the actual times for the current moment. Uh, he's still thinking that we are in 1970s and he wants to build the Mexico that he knew when he was young. So he wants also to have this uh, uh, overpowerful presidency and uh, to construct the whole of the Mexican economy around oil production, something that's uh, absurd in the 2020s, but uh, that's what he knew, that's what he wants to, to make here in Mexico. And that's uh, making things more complicated for uh, companies, from, for firms, for executives that have to work in, in Mexico. And uh, they, they feel that they are not uh, welcomed in, in this country because uh, what the president is trying to do goes against uh, free markets, against uh, uh, private investment. So things are getting more difficult here in Mexico than uh, what you can see in other places. For example, I think Donald Trump and Andres Manuel López Obrador are very similar in many things. Uh, but Donald Trump is not uh, a guy that's hostile to investment. Uh, Andres Manuel is. Uh, the same happens with Bolsonaro in Brazil. He may not be a very nice guy. He's a kind of a crazy person. Well, that's the same with López Obrador. Uh, the, the most important difference in terms of economics is that uh, Bolsonaro is in favor of free markets and López Obrador isn't. Uh, so everyone has his own, own faults. Uh, but uh, in the case of, of Mexico, I, I think that we have to add not only the problems that everyone is watching in, in every part of the world, but also this uh, uh, problem in, in the case of López Obrador living in a different moment with a different idea of the world that uh, very dangerous for, for the 21st century. Yeah, and, and what I've seen is, for example, when, when things get really difficult in countries like, uh, in, every, in every country, now the government uh, comes to to 
kind of save, no? They 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 uh, print money or they uh, they have strong governments that can do something for the people when things get difficult. Uh, my perspective is that if you are in a country like in Latin America where probably the government cannot afford this or would I don't know. I don't know if, 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 if what I'm saying is my perspective, Magali, but you're the expert, no? But uh, it, I think people have a, like a disadvantage, no? The people in, in, in Mexico, for example, is you, you, you don't have a government that, uh, that, that, that is strong and that can help you. What I, what I feel is that leaders on the private sector, the corporations, they have a, a very big responsibility because if it's not the government that it's going to do what it's supposed to do, then who is it? So I don't know. I, w- I would love to hear your perspective on this. Uh, yes, uh, in the case of Latin America, most governments uh, have problems with uh, public debt. Uh, it's uh, very high, so it's very difficult to get more money. Uh, they also can't uh, print money as uh, many governments used to do in the 20th century because it leads to a very high inflation. And we have a history of high inflation in, in Latin America, so it's, uh, it's not a good idea. Uh, but in the case of Mexico, uh, we, we have some margin. We could get some debt without uh, having any problem, like 5, 6, 7% GDP without any problem. But uh, the president doesn't want to do it because uh, he has in his idea that debt was the problem in the 70s. So, uh, as I said before, he's still living in the 70s and he doesn't want to to get any more debt. So what he has done in front of these uh, pandemics and the uh, economic depression that's going with it uh, is to to make the government uh, smaller. Uh, It's the only case I I, I remember in, in the whole world that the government gets smaller in face of a, of a high challenge from, from outside. So uh, it's very strange, and the result is that the economic crisis is getting worse than it could be. Uh, but uh, as I said before, that's a very specific problem of Mexico. Okay, yeah. So what would you say, uh, Macario, is the, uh, what would you recommend if you, if you were, uh, I don't know, to, to speak to leaders on the organizations, you know, the CEOs in, in, in all around the world and also in Latin America, what can they do about it? What can they do about this world that we're living? The vision is not so positive, no? Or the, where we're heading towards is, 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 is more uh, scary than uh, inspiring, I don't know. So is there something in their hands that they can do? I think there's a lot. Uh, I think that the first responsibility of any executive is to create value for his or her firm. Uh, That's the most important thing that they have to do first. And second, uh, they have to try to make uh, the environment uh, as better as possible. No, I mean, those are the things that we have to do. And and I I believe that the most important uh, thing that they can do in this moment is to expand their worldview. Because uh, most executives have been educated over the last 20, 25, 30 years. Uh, And uh, the world has changed a lot over these 25 or 30 years. We have created more knowledge over the last 30 years than what we did 
in the whole human history before that. Uh, so if you went to high school 20 years ago or 30 years ago, what you learned there uh, is no longer valid. So uh, you are, you're thinking uh, deep inside uh, using those concepts that are not useful anymore. So many people when it's trying to make scenarios uh, to, to understand what's going to happen in the future. Uh, they use uh, normal economics or they, they try to understand what's the way that uh, technology is going to move. And they forget that what is more important is that we're talking about human beings. And human beings are a very special kind of animal that we have to understand because uh, they don't uh, behave the same way ever. They change, uh, and they change depending on how they communicate with others. So what I would recommend everyone now is to try to understand the importance of uh, the way we communicate with others and to try to understand what this uh, social media, internet, uh, digital economy, has uh, changed in terms of communication, not in terms of uh, if I can sell more or less, or if I should uh, use, uh, I don't know, Zoom or uh, Microsoft Teams, or that. that's not the problem. The problem is people think differently because of the way they communicate. And now we are having a way of communication that we haven't had since 15,000 years ago. Uh, 15,000 years ago, we had to talk to others. We didn't have writing, we didn't have obviously printing press or uh, television. So uh, we had to, to talk with others. We have come back to that now. We have to talk to others, maybe using a different media because we are not talking in the fire in the night, talking about what we did uh, in the hunting in this afternoon. But uh, it's ex exactly the same way of communication. So uh, we have to think in terms of that. If you start understanding that, you're going to understand your market better. You're going to understand your environment better. Uh, many people have confused what's happening with uh, uh, what they call uh, millennials. And they think this is a problem of uh, a generation. No, 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 no. It's a problem of communication. It may be more evident in young people. That's why they think that millennials are different. No, they are the same kind of people. The, the, the difference is the communication. So we have to focus more on that than uh, any time before. I, I agree, Macario. The, the human behavior, it, I, I all, I'm always saying this to leaders, no? is that at the end, it is humans that build the organizations. It is humans that drive the business. It is humans. It is human. So if you don't understand humans as a consumer, as your employee, as your partner in your house, then you, you, you cannot... Uh, live together. No? So uh, now that we have all the technology and the ability to even know what's happening in human brains, how we react to certain things, what are our triggers, there's there's a lot of potential to understand better and better the human behavior and human beings. So I, I love your message, uh, Macario. It's, it's all about understanding each other, uh, getting to know the perspectives of other people. That's why this is the purpose of this program. 
maybe people would be, uh, I don't know, against the perspective, or maybe people are going to say, that's my perspective. But at the end, it's about that. It's about learning about each other. And only with that, we can cooperate and we can build communities and we can build social global policies if, if we don't have that then it's the the future is going to be very complex and difficult so Macario it has been a pleasure it's such an honor to to have this conversation with you and and thank you very much for accepting it no thank you and I hope that these ideas can be useful for someone in the other side definitely that's why it's in English because I want everyone to to hear about this thank you Macario thanks <laughs>